Amazing. Well, I, I would be... I would be joking if I didn't say that I'm like so overwhelmed and inspired to be here this morning, like unbelievably overwhelmed and inspired. And um, it, it's great. I love when I meet people whose passion and enthusiasm sort of rivals my own. Like it sort of puts, puts me in a humble position. So just when I thought like, no one can outdo me, I have a brother named John Lamos who can, who can 100% outdo me. And it's wonderful to be outdone this morning. And so I'm just so thankful to be here with you today. My name is Christy Short. And as John shared, I work with Alpha Canada. I just started working there. Um, in the spring, but I'm a long-time alpha groupie, let's be real. And uh, just God created a, an amazing pathway for me to start working with alpha. And so I, under the alpha banner, I try to talk to as many churches as I can. It's just my joy to encourage the local church. I, I feel that that's sort of my sweet spot. I love pastors. I love local church people. They're my people. And in fact, I just feel to tell you this morning that I grew up in a church by the shore. Okay, I grew up in a, in a fishing slash tourism town with a, ch a church of about 120 people who were so faithful and committed and game for anything and like super creative and God consistently used that faithfulness to build a foundation for many of us who grew up in that church and when I got there, there weren't that many. <laughs> Uh, but when I left, there was lots. And um, just to see, just, I just want to encourage you that right now you're part of a legacy. And maybe you've been part of this legacy for a long time because you, you brought all these different churches together, but you, you planted something new and you're, and you're growing deeper roots for a, another chapter of legacy. So I just want to encourage you this morning, like, don't give up. Keep going. Like, this is it. And... Um, I hope that I can bless you today. I just trust that God um, wants to encourage you through his spirit and through these words. And uh, I'm just gonna pray and take a drink of water and uh, then we'll begin. Holy Spirit, come. Just come and fill our hearts afresh. Fill our minds anew with just your spirit, your wisdom, Lord. Make our hearts tender today for the things that you want to say to us. And we just bless your name. Amen. Well, I also can't believe that I've never been to Grand Manan Island because I grew up all my summers in Dipper Harbor, Macy's Bay Area. <laughs> and I, too, spent every summer with a Northern Reflection sweater over my bathing suit. And so that might be a familiar look for some of you, but that's the joy of being here on the Bay of Funday. And so it's just, ooh, just such a tender pleasure to be here today. And uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Alpha, Alpha is an evangelistic tool for churches and small groups. Actually, anyone can use Alpha. Anyone can run Alpha, and it's an opportunity to invite people into a conversation about faith and about the big questions of life. And um, maybe you've been part of an Alpha before. Alpha is about like nine to ten weeks of interactive sessions. You come together for a time of fellowship. You come together for, um, you watch a cool video. And then afterwards you have a time of discussion. And it's a pretty basic format and yet creates this super sweet, um, super safe environment for people to come, for people to ask their questions and, and maybe begin to get some answers about who they are 
and, and what their purpose in life is and about who God is and how much he loves them. And so I'm excited for you guys. I know that you're slowly making your way towards hopefully running an alpha and that coming up you guys are going to be running Life Shared. Guys, come on. Come on. Life Shared is such a cool little program. In three sessions, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be encouraged. Um, actually, I think that you're going to be um, uh, really inspired. There's some, some special voices in these videos. There's some testimonies that I think that we really need to hear because a testimony, boy, doesn't it just put a little fire in your belly? It just reminds you of your own story, and we're going to talk about that more here in a minute. But the whole basis of what we do here at Alpha is evangelism. And I'm not really one for $4 Christian words, except this is a word that's really important to me. It really means the good news has come. And so when I say this word evangelism, I just want you to think for a minute about what it means to you. What kinds of things come to mind when you think about the word evangelism, right? Is it something that sort of has a bit of a sour taste in your mouth? Or is it something that a little bit puts your back up? Evangelism is sort of a funny word right now, especially if you're watching American news. And so I just encourage you today to think a little bit, okay God, what do I think about evangelism? Now for me, evangelism is kind of funny because I grew up in the 90s. And what was given to me was 1 Peter uh, 3, 15, which says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope that you have. So for some reason, as a kid, I internalized this as meaning I have to have an answer for everyone's spiritual question. I gotta be ready, because at any moment, someone could ask me a question, and it's my job to tell them the truth, to set them straight, to set them free in the name of Lord Jesus, and I was gonna be prepared. Except as a kid, that's actually a ton of pressure. That's unbelievable pressure. Somehow, I sort of got it twisted in my mind that it was all on me. Somehow, I was going to represent Christ with every answer that I was giving at any moment to any junior high child who was going to ask me a question about faith. I sort of got my own backup. I felt like it was my job to defend faith. If people were dogging on faith, well, I better be ready with my answer. That's how I'm going to share the good news with these people, is by proving that my faith is something worth fighting for. Except that was so much pressure. And it was also sort of lonely to be a middle school student thinking, somehow I'm gonna carry the message of gospel into my hostile, rural middle school, one class per grade for the next 10 years. Evangelism is often pressure-filled and lonely and maybe even a bit scary. Maybe you think, oh man, I'm too nervous to ever share the gospel or to tell a bit about what Jesus has done in my life. You are not alone. I'm scared right now. <laughs> but maybe you grew up in a generation with, um, God bless him, thank you for his legacy, with Billy Graham. Maybe you grew up in a generation where uh, sorry, crusades and TV events or big tent revivals or some sort of major event was the opportunity for people to come and see what God has done and hear the good news and make a decision that day to follow Jesus. And those things were so important, especially in my grandparents and in my parents' generation. Like this was, this was the way, this was the method, and so many lives were changed. 
so many lives were changed. But I think there was sort of something that happened inside of that, which is many church people, many Christians, many people who followed God started to think that evangelism was somebody else's job. It was about a man on a platform telling us what's what. And that sort of became our image and our vision. And we sort of got separated. Maybe our job is to like drag somebody along. Maybe our job is to show up at tent meeting every week or whatever. Maybe our job is to support that person financially. But evangelism sort of became about a style and a performance and a platform. And it sort of created a, a gap, maybe even in our ability. And while those things were so important for a time and still are important today, I just want you to keep in mind, I want you to acknowledge that that sometimes creates a gap in our ability to respond. Maybe you were trained to do some street evangelism. Oh man, I won't go down the road of like gospel clowning or anything, but maybe you had an opportunity to hand out some tracts or to share with somebody the sinner's prayer or the little five points of salvation, or maybe you were part of sort of like a program that trained you to do some things, to go talk to some people in a certain way. All of those things are such valuable tools, such valuable um, moments sort of of connection with people, except sometimes they're really awkward and super embarrassing and afterwards, they can feel a bit, like, ineffective. My, my, worst, <laughs> my worst example is this, is that I went to university in Fredericton, I went to St. Thomas, and I had a bunch of friends at UMB, and all of the Christian community groups were always doing the same thing, where they were having, like, a potluck, or a corn boil, or a pizza party that you would invite your friends to, and it was all about hanging out and having a good time, but then at some point, someone would like stand up and start to like talk or like someone would pull out a Bible and it's like, surprise, this pizza party is about Jesus. And I had some friends who I know to this day are mad that I took them to like a Christian kid's potluck and turned the tables on them. And actually I had like years of shame about that. Felt like I had missed the mark. And again, I'm not saying that any of these things are bad. I'm just acknowledging that sometimes evangelism comes with this stuff. It comes with this extra stuff that makes us feel awkward and weird. It puts even more space between us and the story that we're trying to share. Maybe when I say evangelism, though, you think nothing. Maybe absolutely nothing comes to your mind uh, because you don't ever really talk about Jesus. I think this is a big one for our culture. I think this is a big one right now because we live in like this radical, secular, individualistic society. So there's like a fear that even if you mention spiritual things, somehow you're like shoving it down people's throats. Right? It's kind of like you do you and I do me. Like in Canada, faith is private and personal. So there, there is almost that expectation that if you bring it up, you're being presumptuous or maybe even impolite. And that's had a big impact on the church. It's had a big impact on me. It's had a big impact on how we, how we do things and how we see things as Christians in our modern culture. But I just want you to think for a second, what if, what if there doesn't need to be like tricks or programs or tracks or there doesn't need to be like a, 
handsome guy on a stage shouting at you? What if actually that's, that's just different methods, all of them good at, at certain times, but what if fundamentally the good news is not about us, it's about the work of the Holy Spirit? Evangelism is the work of the Holy Spirit, and, and he's inviting us to be a part of that. A couple years ago, I heard a definition from a pastor from British Columbia, um, a definition of evangelism that really turned the tables on me, totally uh, stuck with me, and it sort of struck me and made me start thinking about things so differently. The, the how of evangelism started to change as I focused in on the who of evangelism. And this is the definition. <laughs> My homeboy, Daryl Johnson. Evangelism is joining in the conversation that the Holy Spirit is already having with someone. Evangelism is joining the conversation that the Holy Spirit is already having with someone. This is like your record scratch moment. Doesn't begin with us, but we're invited. Doesn't start with us, but we're called to it. It is a work of the Holy Spirit where he is already talking to someone. He's already revealing something to someone. He's already working on their hearts and minds. He's already in their situation. By the time you show up, he's like setting it up for you. And whatever you bring is just what's needed in that moment. Okay. Now I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, if evangelism is just a work of the Spirit, then why do I need to do anything? Right? It's like, oh, he's got it all covered. He's the one that convicts. He's the one that reveals. We just don't get in his way, you know. Don't say anything that might get in the way of the spirit. But that's not it either. That's not it either. This is an invitation to his work. As someone said it just this week, I was on a big uh, work retreat with Alpha in Britain, British Columbia, and I, I know that you guys are just about to send John there, so he'll come back just like floating on a glory cloud. Just, he'll just be like hovering over the ground. Um, it's an invitation to be his guest in that process. And we get to be good guests by coming alongside people, by being present, by listening, by paying attention. And we're gonna talk about those things in a minute. But I want you to really grasp the why of evangelism. I want you to understand your why because when you understand your why, the how will make more sense. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in Graminan, until the ends of the earth. There's two things here I want you to pay attention to. Your why is you will receive power, and you are his witnesses. That's your why. You are not doing anything in this Christian life on your own strength. I want to tell you that for half an hour this morning, that's all we prayed. 
all we prayed was that we're here, Jesus, and we got nothing. And by your spirit, you're at work. By your spirit, we have power. By your spirit, we get to share the good news with others. It's the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity that hovered over the earth at creation who raised Christ from the dead, who was revealing the truth of who Jesus is, who is drawing everybody to salvation. That's the power that lives in you. That's the power that lives in you. For those people who've called on Jesus' name, that power lives in you. It's the power to transform. It's the power to understand scripture. It's the power to produce fruit. It's the power to resist evil. It's the power to be free from sin. It's the power to speak God's heart and perform miracles. It's the power to heal. That's the power you have. That's your why. You got the power. Insert your own joke. From the 90s. I got the power. No? No one here? Am I dating myself? Guys, I'm not old. (laughs) You have power. And when you have power, Jesus makes another promise to us. He says, you will be my witness. You will be my witness. And I love this word witness. It doesn't mean you're just standing by and watching things. It means that you are his evidence. When you bring a witness into a trial situation, they have to say what they have seen because it's used as evidence. We are the evidence of the work of Jesus Christ. We are his proof that what he said he did, he did do. And who he is, he actually is. We are the evidence or the proof. And that's, that's Jesus' promise to us. It's not even a command. It's not even, it's not even saying, Come on, everybody, live as witnesses. He says you will be. You are. You are my witnesses. So you have the power. You are the evidence. And then this last verse, I want to bring you into Corinthians for a minute. And uh, guys, when I prayed about coming here, this was the scripture God gave my heart for Lighthouse. Okay, this is, this is the scripture he showed me, and I just I really want to encourage you today. 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Jesus Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, He gave us the wonderful message of reconciliation. He gave you the wonderful message of reconciliation. You have the wonderful message of reconciliation so that we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, his evidence. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back. Come back. That's our message It's not you sinned, not you messed up, not you failed. The message is come back. Come back to who you were meant to be. Come back to who you were made to be. Come back to the Father that loves you. For God made Christ who never sinned to be an offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is your message. 
It's a message of reconciliation. It's a message that says, this is new life, free from the power of sin and death. We can be right with God. We can have a relationship with our Father, the Creator. We can have a a power life through the Holy Spirit. It's a message that our relationship with God has been made whole. Think about your message for a second. What has Jesus done in your life? Can you speak about it? Because your message of reconciliation, it might be just the words that someone needs to hear in order for them to come back. It's it's your words, but the Spirit uses it all. And the power of your words comes from his power within you. So our why is we have a message. We are his witness, his evidence. And we've received his power. I think the why of evangelism is summed up beautifully in this quote from American Methodist missionary E. Stanley Jones. It says, our responsibility is to respond to the Holy Spirit's ability. That's it. Pressure is off. You're not alone. It's not in your own strength. You're not sharing the gospel for your own gain. The Holy Spirit is in the lead, and it's just our job to follow. Um, I have a really great team lead at Alpha, and uh, we can talk endlessly about ideas. Like, we waste all of our meeting talking about other stuff, not the stuff that we're supposed to. And he was just sharing that. He's like, I just feel like God gave me a fresh image of what it means to join him, what it means to join him in evangelism or join him with just sharing the gospel with someone in your community. And he said, I just have a picture of like, the spirit is like riding a motorcycle and we are like in the sidecar. (laughs) We're just like hopped in, helmet on, goggles. He is in control and we are just along for the ride. So just, like, let the wind blow over you. Let your scarf flap in the wind. It's an exciting time. We've got our why, but I would not be a Baptist daughter's, a Baptist minister's daughter if I didn't give you a how. And so we're just going to look quickly at a, a story from the New Testament together that I think illustrates so clearly just how we join the Holy Spirit in the conversation he's already having. There is no formula in my mind for evangelism, but there are steps that you can take. There are some like next motions you can do. And so we're gonna do that together. So if you have a real Bible, um, we're looking at Acts 8. And if you have a phone Bible, you can turn it on. No judgment here. And I'm at verse 26. Acts 8, verse 26. It says, I'll just wait until everyone kind of gets there. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south, down by the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandenke, queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and now he was returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, 
Philip ran over and heard the man from the prophet Isaiah, sorry, reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, uh, do you understand what you were reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up and onto the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears. He did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? And so beginning with that same scripture, Philip told the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. But when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch never saw him again. But he went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. I just love this little vignette. This part of Acts has all these little small stories of the Holy Spirit having this conversation with someone and he starts to bring other people in. And it's all on purpose. Luke is is probably my favorite gospel, and, and Luke wrote Acts. Acts is just the continuation of Luke. It's like the Jesus's best, uh, Jesus's greatest hits, volume two. And here we are, he's, he's writing this little moment, this unbelievable moment with some really key details. I, I can't go into, into all the details today. I would love to talk for the next two hours, but just, if you come back to the scripture, just pay attention. Every detail here is so important. But the thing I want you to pay attention to is just how different these people are. Okay, we have Philip, a new deacon in the church, actually a new deacon in the brand new thing that isn't even called the church yet. Just a, a group of believers that are sort of calling themselves the way. Here's this guy, a deacon, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he happens to have joy in his voice when he starts talking about Jesus. And that's compelling to people. And he's just minding his own business, listening to the Holy Spirit when he says, I want you to go this way today. And when he's on the road, just taking that next step, he sees something kind of outrageous. He sees like a royal parade, a carriage for it says, the treasure of, treasurer of Ethiopia. Okay, well at this point in time, this part of Africa is unbelievably rich. It's an unbelievably wealthy and influential um, season for that part of Africa. And here is the treasurer, somehow on his own time and with his own money, he's going to Jerusalem to worship. And he buys the heaviest scroll he can find. I'm gonna buy the biggest one. I'm gonna buy Isaiah. And I'm gonna read it on my trip home. And I just love this, in, in these ancient traditions, if you read, you were reading out loud. 
So this guy's reading out loud on his ride home. And that's what Philip hears as he sort of <laughs> steps over to the side of the carriage. I just want you to pay attention here. This is like a wild moment, but it only takes like a few steps of obedience, right? It only takes a few moments. And here are these two men. Like, it's really important to notice there's no reason for them to cross paths, none. There's no reason for them to even have a conversation. And in fact, right up until, like, not even this chapter, it doesn't happen until this, second cha- this next chapter that the Holy Spirit comes to the Gentiles. Right now, following the way is pretty Jewish, and so this is a moment where all of a sudden God is showing that he's bringing different people into the story of Jesus Christ. He's creating an opportunity for conversation. He's the one that's setting the tone. He's the one that's giving instruction. He's the one that's preparing the way. He's the one who's already at work in this eunuch's life. Philip is just sort of like the wingman. Just sort of coming in to check on everybody. Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Just think about this for a minute. That, that short conversation, you know, we talked about how we're gonna be his evidence to take it into Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. And this conversation takes the gospel down into a whole new continent. One conversation. So there's some things here I want us to pay attention to, some next steps that we can grasp from this story that I actually hope will take the pressure off and actually put the joy and expectation in. There's four things here that I think we can take as next steps. I think I have a slide, a yellow slide? No? No more slides? That's great. I hate slides. <laughs> the first thing is he listens to the Spirit. He listens to the Spirit. The second thing is he pays attention. He pays attention. The third one is that he asks questions. He asks questions, and the last one is he tells about Jesus. He, tell, he talks about Jesus. He listens to the Spirit. He pays attention. He asks questions, and he tells about Jesus. These are four ways that we can join the conversation that's already happening. Listening to the Spirit... Um, it's easy to talk about, but it's hard to qualify. And I know when you're looking at this scripture, you're like, well, if an angel of the Lord came to me and told me to go to a certain place, I would most certainly oblige. And if the Holy Spirit was speaking audibly to me, uh, you know what? That would make evangelism a whole lot easier. And I don't know what your life has been like. Actually, maybe God has sent an angel to you. Maybe he has. Maybe you just didn't know. And maybe he has spoken to you audibly, and I want to hear that story after church so you can find me. But he is speaking to you in other ways. He's speaking to you by his scripture, by his word. You want to hear what the Spirit has to say? Here you go. He speaks to us through one another. That is like the joy of being part of a body of believers. We speak God's heart to one another. That's how we hear from him. But the Spirit also speaks to our hearts and our minds. You know, he might be speaking to you through a moment of connection with somebody. You know, they tell you something that opens up an honest conversation. That's the Spirit. And he might be um, talking to you when you feel that 
pounding feeling in your chest when you see someone you know who is struggling or when someone is sharing what's been going on. Do you know that little, your heart is beating a bit faster? Or he might be speaking to you every time you see that person, like a scripture comes to mind or you get a picture or an image. You just know that God has something for them and he's speaking it to you. And he might be speaking if you've seen that person like five times that week (laughs) and you realize that if you just made eye contact and said hello, you might be entering into someone's sacred journey towards Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is speaking, we've got to listen and respond by his grace and through his power. And that leads me to that next step. We have to pay attention. This is probably a hard one right now for our culture. We're pretty self-absorbed. You know, this vignette shows all of these particular details. They're all on purpose. Luke is trying to show you that God is using the most radical group of weirdos to do his work. He's bringing them all together. And you know, it's the details of someone's life that helps us to have a sense of who they are and how God might be already operating in their life. Like pay attention to what's going on with people. Pay attention to what they're saying to you. Pay attention to how they're responding to what you say. People are often showing you, telling you in, without words what's up with them. And if you pay attention, you might see that opening for a conversation. You might see that opening for encouragement. You might see that opening to do something that could just communicate God's heart to them in that moment. But we have to pay attention, right? Philip pays attention to this guy. He's like, oh, I guess I'm walking up to this carriage now. Oh, what's that? Reading Isaiah? Do you understand what you're reading? It's a moment of just paying attention, of coming alongside. We can't come alongside if we're not paying attention. Also, have you come alongside to someone that you haven't been paying attention to and it's, whew, wrong day, wrong time, wrong word? God uses all of that, but the invitation is to pay attention. Um, So my journey with Alpha started a really, really long time ago. When I was in middle school, there was a woman in our town who opened up her home and ran a youth Alpha all summer. All summer, we were invited to her ranch where we made like spaghetti dinner and played ultimate frisbee, and then we would break up into two groups, kind of middle school and high school for Alpha. And somebody, somebody was paying attention to me. Someone was like, you know what? We're gonna put the know-it-all pastor's daughter into the high school group. Someone was paying attention to my life. Middle school was not easy at all. I did not fit in. And in a moment of like sheer grace, someone sort of put their arm around me and took me in a different direction. They were paying attention to me and what I needed and what, and it gave me a space to be who I needed to be. Um, doing that alpha actually was like so impactful on me. I began to articulate my faith for myself. I got, I got to ask my questions. I got to be able to take, uh, hear from different points of view in a safe environment. I got to experience the spirit for the first time in a really impactful way. All because someone was paying attention to me. 
we get to pay attention. We get to listen to the Spirit. We get to uh, pay attention to people. But the next thing we get to do is we get to ask questions. This is sort of the fundamental thing about Alpha. Do you notice our logo is a question mark? It's one of the fundamental things because questions are sort of a foundation for a conversation. They're also the foundation for relationship. And I think that this is truly maybe the hardest part of all of this because we've sort of been trained back to that first Peter verse to have our answers ready. I already know what you need to hear. I already have an answer to that question. Oh, this person wasn't listening to the video. You know what, I'm gonna set you straight on that. We have our answer prepared before the person is finished asking their question. And this is sort of a pain point for me because that's pride. That's pride that says, I know what this person needs to hear right now that'll set them straight. I know what this person needs to hear that'll clear up their theology. I already know what this person needs to hear. I'm ready. I've, I've got the answer. Well, let me ask you a question. Which would you prefer? Would you prefer someone who took the time to listen to you, to let you finish, and then followed up with another question? Would you prefer openness? Would you prefer clarifying questions? Or would you like someone's prepackaged answer about the thing they think you should know? Which one creates an opportunity for love and relationship? Questions help us go deeper. Questions create room for people to be heard more fully. Questions help people think, what do I really believe and what do I understand? But even the way we ask questions I think is really important. We can ask someone, oh, why do you believe X? And that puts them on the defense. In fact, they might not even know why they believe X. So putting them on the spot isn't going to create that open and helpful dialogue. But you might want to say, hey, when did you start believing X? Hey, what led to you asking why? What, what, what happened in your past? Or what kind of idea came to you? Find out some more information around what a person is believing and experiencing. That's going to create a conversation. That's going to create room to actually build some relationship. And that's going to create safety for that person to bring up the things that are most important to them. I love Philip's question. Do you understand what you're reading? What a wildly simple and loving question. Do you, do you understand what you're reading? No defense, <laughs> no proof to me that what you're reading is X, Y, or Z. He just says, hey, do you understand this? And the guy is like, how can I? How can I understand this? Philip's like, oh, well, hang on. Just so happens that that scripture you're reading tells you everything you need to know about this man named Jesus who just appeared to about 40 of us before he went into heaven. And a couple days before that, he had died. He had died a criminal's embarrassing death, and he did it for you. He used exactly where the eunuch was to start the conversation. He didn't jump in and say, oh, but do you know about the fall? 
Oh, but do you know about seven days of creation? Oh, but do you know about the four spiritual laws? He didn't start with any of that. He started with where this person was. Do you understand this? What do you understand? Questions create room for conversation and discussion and relationship. But they also open the door to tell about Jesus. Right? He didn't say to the eunuch, well, I don't really have time to talk right now, but you know, we have a service on Sunday coming up, and like, here's a card with the date and the time, and oh, I can just shoot you an email to remind you. He says, hey man, this scripture is about Jesus. I can tell you about him. Jesus had an impact on my life. Jesus changed everything about me. Actually, Jesus put me on this road because I didn't know where I was going, and now I'm talking to you. He tells him about Jesus. You know, earlier when I said, think about your story, about what kind of impact Jesus has had on your life. That's your message of reconciliation. How many of us talk about our faith, even with just like our family? Or your best friend, or the people that you sort of see on the regular? I think that this is a really tough one for us. I think this is the one that sort of keeps evangelism at bay because we don't have any muscle memory for talking about Jesus. We're out of practice. It feels awkward. It makes me think about every piano recital I didn't practice for. <laughs> right? You know the notes, and you have the sheet music, and then when it's time to perform, you're like, this isn't gonna go so hot. And yet, if we are in a regular rhythm of sharing what Jesus has done, the conversations will arrive. The Spirit, he's already at work talking to people. And that conversation you just had about how Jesus is helping you address your anxiety, that conversation about how Jesus is meeting you in your grief over countless losses, the way that Jesus is revealing to you like the deep Father's love that you have never been able to experience, that conversation can become the comeback conversation for somebody else. Come back to God. It's your message of reconciliation. It's your life and your story and your words that the Spirit uses in the conversation he is already having. Um, this is my Alpha plug. This is why Alpha is so awesome. <laughs> because each week, there's a conversation set up for you. Hey, everybody, we're all going to talk about this. And it's a chance to begin to help people articulate what they believe, where they've been, why they're here. It's literally my favorite time. I, and I say that every time about my favorite time. I want to hear about where people are at, where they've been, where they're going. And actually, I'm pretty excited to talk about what Jesus has done in my life. He's changed everything. He's changed everything. And the stuff that isn't changed, I am bringing to him. So the pressure is off, sort of. But the invitation is a great one. You can join the Holy Spirit in the conversation he's already having with someone. You can do it because you have received power through the Holy Spirit. You can do it because you are his witnesses. You are his evidence. And you can do it because you have a message of reconciliation. 
And we can join this conversation by listening to the Spirit, by paying attention, by asking questions, and by telling about Jesus. I know it sounds simple when I just make it four points. I understand that it's not easy. But you are not alone. Look around. You're not alone. Look in here. This is a home of the Holy Spirit. He is in you. He has equipped you. He has called you. He, he will give you the things that you need to be that evidence. I'm going to pray for us now, and then I'll be floating around. I would love to chat with you. I would love to hear your message of reconciliation. I'm wondering if I can invite you guys to do something with me. Maybe could we um, stand? Can you guys stand? If you're able. If you're not able, no worries. Sometimes you need a shift in posture to get your mind clear. And I'm just gonna take a minute to pray for us. Um, our practice at Alpha is to ask the Holy Spirit to come and to trust that he would reveal to us what he wants to minister to us with today. So we're just gonna take a few minutes to do that before we close. So if you're comfortable, let's just take a posture of receiving. If you're comfortable, can you open your hands? And uh, to create that safety, you can close your eyes. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit with power. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, Lord, again with your power. So that we can be your evidence, your witness. So that we can share our message of reconciliation. Uh, I just feel to pray for couple things. Uh, one is maybe you're a person here today who has a story of reconciliation, but you feel that it's way too messy to share. That you might actually feel, if I share this, it might turn somebody off from following Jesus. I just want to, I just want to tell you and affirm you that the Spirit loves that story, has redeemed you, has redeemed that story, and that that mess, messy message is someone's come back to God message. So if that's you, I just encourage you to uh, receive from the Spirit right now. Holy Spirit, speak to that person about how you want to use their story to reconcile someone to you and to reconcile us together as a family. God, it's a restoration up and down, but also side to side. Thank you, Jesus.
I also, I also feel that there's maybe a few people here who feel um, weighed down um, by a family member who does not follow God and who is really far away. And you might have grief and regret over that. You might feel like you can't say enough that would somehow prove to them that God loves them, that God has a plan for their life. And I just feel like the Spirit is saying, trust me. I'm having a pretty deep conversation right now. And it might not be for you um, to be a part of in this season, but trust me. So Father, I just pray for new ability to trust in you when we can't see what's going on behind the scenes, when we would like to see. Just pray that you would give a deposit of hope today for that parent or grandparent or brother or sister who is longing to see someone in their family come back to you. Spirit, thank you, thank you that you are are lovingly having deep conversations with people that we cannot see. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for never giving up. Thank you that in our weakness, you shine so brightly. And I just pray now, Lord, for everyone here at Lighthouse. God, that you would fill them freshly with your spirit, that they would have a sense of your deep Father's love for them, Lord. And that Jesus, that you would just begin to bubble up in them that sense of hope from their own story of how you've changed their life. Bring them into a time of remembrance, Father, and thanksgiving for everything that you've done. And give them opportunity, like today or tomorrow, to share that story with someone. And trusting that you, you're at work. You are the one who evangelizes. We ask for all these things in your name, Jesus.